So the year was 1984. Yeah, I just started Wheaton College. 1984. I, I knew that I wanted to be a pastor uh, since I was nine years old. So when I went to Wheaton, I, I, Wheaton College, to me, I thought it was going to be a, uh, the new heavens and the new earth. Okay, I thought it was going to be heaven come to earth for me. I'd never been around Christians who were my age. I'd, oh, I'd been, I'd been, we had come to Christ in a very isolated situation outside Philadelphia, and I just didn't know Christians who were, who were young people. I didn't know people like that. So I thought I had this idea that Wheaton would be blessed. Deep, I would just be rich. It would be so amazing. But of course, you know, I had to wise up and learn a bunch of things. I had to wise up and learn a whole bunch of things. Now, the, the, the kind of conflict you have with other young Christians who are all starting to live on their own and trying to sow themselves a little bit and trying to be a little naughty, that's a disaster, right? Christian, Christian, I mean, Christian colleges are nightmares in a lot of ways. But, but, uh, but it's the teachers sometimes that are dangerous. Teachers, and sometimes can be much more dangerous than the students. And, I, and, and right at that point, Wheaton, Wheaton was on the cusp. Calvin was there. A lot, of, a lot of the big schools that had been bastions of evangelical thinking and commitment were drifting. They were starting to, eh, they were starting to lose their focus. In the, in the 70s and 80s, there had been a lot of compromises on staffing. There had been a lot of compromises and adjustments on these, these, these major institutions. And they were kind of falling to the wayside. A lot of it was because people got in that didn't belong there. Well, one of the people that I remember, I, I immediately signed up for Greek. I was, well, you know, I wanted to be, a, I knew I wanted to go into ministry, and so for me, I signed up for Greek right away. And so freshman, my freshman year at, at, high, at college, and, I, and I'm studying Koine Greek. And I, I was, I just loved it. And my professor, oh, he only, only was, not only was he charming and handsome, he, he was articulate, and he was introducing me to things. Oh, I was so excited to learn. I was finally getting my fingers in the original. I had been talking about being a pastor for years, and this, you, know, I, you didn't even have to tell me to study. I was there. You know, I was there. I wanted to learn. I had that attitude. And I remember as our professor, began, we began to translate the book of Romans. What you see before you here in Romans chapter 4, I translated at the right page of 19. Now, I didn't translate this right here. This is the ESV. But I translated these texts, and he was teaching the class, and I was, oh, it was wonderful. And he said something about this text. See, one of the things that I didn't realize, one of the things that happens after a number of schools is that if you're a professor who only teaches language, then people don't worry about your theology as much. This actually does happen in academics. I don't know why this happens, but it does happen. It happens in seminaries, too. You're a really good language guy, really good language guy. They have very bad theology. Well, that would happen to be the case. I was excited, and, and, and I remember we were sitting in class, and he's describing uh, the prepositions, oh, the prepositions of faith, oh, and we're going through them. And he gets to this text here in Romans 4, and he makes a claim about this text here in Romans 4. We're going to read it now. That this is it. Oh, this is it. You guys, guys, I want to tell you something so exciting. I want to tell you something so exciting. I remember the class when he told us this, and he said, this text we're going to look at today is proof. It's proof 
that any, any, any savage, any, any ignorant grunt towards God is saving. And he said that, that the fact that, that this text right here about an ancient man named Abraham, when it talks about Abraham's faith, the faith of an ancient Palestinian, of dusty shepherd without any education, what do you know for sure? Well, you know all he had was a, a grunt of belief in God. And, and I remember this professor teaching, this gives us hope for Irian Jaya and Africa. And, and all the different ranges and the farthest reaches of the globe because God honors faith that has no content. Faith that just believes in God and reaches out for Him. Just like Abraham's faith right here. That was what he said. Now, I was a, I was a good student. I, I, was reading, I was reading this and I was translating it. And it was really funny. You're going to love this. This is so me. If you know me well, you know this is so me. I'm translating it. And I got excited. Because I thought, surely my professor just can't see the truth that's right here. He's just not seeing it. I just need to show it to him. <laughs> oh, what an idiot. Let's read. Let's read. Let's jump in. <laughs> Let's read. And then I'll, I'll, I'll teach you. I'll show, you, I'll, I'll show you what the Lord, I think, showed me. And, that, and the showing, His showing increases over the years. That, going back to an old, old, old sermon text is very instructive for the preacher. Because you see things that you didn't see before, right? You see them in new ways that the Holy Spirit never showed you before. And that certainly happened here. Let's begin then. And I want you to picture, I've translated, translating this, I was in that class, and this is the teaching by which this professor was making a claim of universal salvation for every authentic cry for God. It doesn't matter what the God is or what you say. He was saying this text taught that. All right. This is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares in the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist, well, in hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, they were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Let's pray. Father, I pray, for the, I pray for Holy Spirit power. But I don't pray for me. I pray for all of us. I think, I don't, I don't see how my need's any greater than theirs, or theirs is any greater than mine. We all need you. 
We all nakedly, desperately, sincerely, and, 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 and immediately, right now, Father, need you. Otherwise, these, these, these ideas just won't, they won't have the purchase that we really need so, so much. So, Father, I pray that you forgive the sins of the one who speaks, because there are so many. But, you know, I guess we pray you forgive the sins of those who hear, too. You have mercy on us. Let us hear good news, great news, about what your love in Jesus. Amen. Amen. So three things, three things. I, I was six hours so excited. So I go to the doctor. I actually made an appointment. I never made appointments to see professors. Never. I wasn't that, I wasn't that kind of kid. But I needed to talk to him. I went in and I told him. I just, this is, told him this sermon that I'm presenting to you today and these truths. And I said, don't you see? Abraham believes that God speaks. Can't you see? It's all, Abraham believes in the God who speaks. Not just that he believes in the God who speaks. Now, I, I wasn't preaching to my professor like I'm preaching to you right now. I, I may have gotten a little excited, though. It's hard for me to sit still, and I get a little hyper. And, and I said, not just that. It's not just belief in the Word, but it's belief in a Word of love. Abraham believed in grace. He didn't deserve it. His body was as good. Don't you see it? It, it? Faith had content. It had an object. It had truth. It had reality. And I said, and I was almost... Giddy. I was almost giddy. In fact, he, Abraham is the father of us all. He's a pattern of our faith down to this fact. He believed in a God who raises the dead. <laughs> so do we. Um, as an aside, as an aside, um, heretics never twirl their mustaches. They don't. They don't wear black hats either. And they don't snicker. And they don't go, ha, 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 ha. They don't do that. Usually, heretics are the nicer people, usually. It's the orthodox conservative guys who are usually jerks. He was charming. He was so charming. He had complete control over that department. He became the chair of the department. He took me aside. As I explained to him, the depths of what I saw, a pattern of Pauline thinking where he was, he was filling Paul's, he was filling Abraham with an actual detailed, almost, shall we say, reformed, I was excited, theological content. And then he looked at me. This, this professor smiled and he said, Chris, Chris, it's a nice fantasy about these early writers being that smart, but they just really weren't. That's not. You, you need to understand academic. It's funny because he went from being kind of a, a charming older brother, maybe he was a little mistaken, to being somebody I, got, I was afraid of and who I, I found out today on a blog of somebody who was apostatized and claimed, claimed against Christ who was once a part of even the city. He was here in the city at one point. The part of some other church talking about his relationship with this professor. And I realized, oh, you know what? It really does, this kind of corruption really does infect. All these years later, the fallout still continues, right? 
of people compromising the word of God. All right, what am I so excited about? Abraham's the father of us all. He's a pattern of faith that's so encouraging and it begins with as relevant today as it was some 4,000 years ago. God's talking. <laughs> Our God's a talker. Our God is a communicator. Our God has revealed himself. Our God is a God who has put into the world perfect thoughts about himself that we can anchor on and grab and describe and hope and believe and trust and stand on confidently. Just like Abraham did. Praise our Father. And praise God. It's a, and you know what's interesting? It's the same issues. It's the same concerns. It's the same, it's the same, it's the same faith. I don't know about you, but I, it all seems pretty encouraging to me that the issues are the same. Why is it so important the issues are the same? It means the solutions are still the same. <laughs> it means this, that a love is still in the world to do something. Don't you get it? If the Bible accurately sees our problems and accurately begins to describe this God with this much power, it's not... Okay, this doctrine that God speaks, and he speaks without any mistake or error, a lot of Christians love this teaching for the wrong reason. A lot of teachers love... A lot of us as Christians just love being right, don't we? I like to be right, especially when somebody else is wrong. I'm not alone with this. Come on, just be honest. We like being right. But Jesus didn't give us the word of God with all of his authority just so we could be right. <laughs> no. He gave us a word of love for the dark night of the soul when faith doesn't look like an option anymore. Because that's what happened. To, that's what's going to happen to Abraham. And I'll bet it's something that's going to happen to you if it isn't already. Same faith, same crisis, same challenge, same God, same promise. Trust him. And faith in God will always begin with a faith in his word. <laughs> Let me teach you some Hebrew. Let me teach you some, I've told you this before. I've taught you this before. But, uh, but, but here, I'm going to say, you say it right after me. I'm going to say, this is Hebrew. Vayomer. Go ahead. Oh my goodness, let's try it again. Vayomer, Yahweh. You now know 5% of the Old Testament that's being quoted in this text. And you know what 5% of the entire Old Testament Bible is? And God said. <laughs> Make no bones about it. We were to define Christianity. It is an unembarrassed supernaturalism. And we believe a God has spoken into the world and the men's opinions and the pundits and the presidents and whoever they are, they're all wrong. Only the scriptures are true. And I, I tell you, I bet you that was as much of a relief in, in Abraham's dusty day <laughs> as it is today. Praise him. And faith stands on the same issues do you trust him or not? But remember I said, it isn't just about being right, is it? <laughs> it isn't just about being right, is it? No, because it's being right about a God who loves sinners. Because you see the second part that Abraham gets, he gets it! Look, he gets it. 
In order that the promise may rest on what? Look in verse 16. In order that the promise may rest on what? In order that the promise may rest on grace. Verse 16. Abraham looked at his body. Good as dead. Looked at his wife. Dead. <laughs> you get it? Dead. Dead together. No action. No act. Dead. 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 Like in the bedroom. Dead. Nothing's going on here. Dead. Abraham's not looking at her going, oh, she's hot tonight. No, he's not. She wasn't doing the same thing the other way. Dead. Dead to affection. Dead to romance. Dead to the power of the flesh. Dead to... Dead. What's this? What, what, what's the picture? What, what picture of faith is Abraham breathing to us here? You're dead. We, could, we were dead in our trespasses. We... Oh, don't you see? We couldn't do anything to earn his love. He gave it away. God loves sinners. Didn't you know this was the story from beginning to end? God loves sinners. You know, it was the thing that got Abraham up when he looked at his own body and the wife, of, and the wife who laughed at the promise of God. And he looked at, how, did you say, Abraham? Abraham was a sinner, just like you and me. And he knew that he had no possibility to fulfill what God had promised. What does that sound like? It sounds like you and me at the feet of the cross, trusting in the grace of Jesus. What does God, God loves sinners. He saves people who can't save themselves. He picks up and he dusts off and he loves that which is not lovable. Praise. It's the same gospel, isn't it? You see it? See how it starts ringing so true and so beautifully in the ear? How beautifully living and how the pattern is? But it gets even better. Because not only is this message of grace that God loves sinners, it's better even than that. I am... Because this word justification, the very end of the verse there. Justification. (laughs) Completely loved and forgiven freely by grace justified, and declared righteous. The justification word at the very end is the deepest need for dead sinners or those caught up in dead works. Praise him. You can't do it. He has done it. You can't do it. He has done it. You can't do it. He has done it. <sighs> it's really, it, it, nothing changes. The entry point into the, into the throne room of grace is when you realize you have nothing to bring. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross. I went a little further than that. Something actually happened today. I, I, don't, I was kind of tripping my head around it a little bit. The most important part of this text here in Romans is actually verse, I believe, it's, it's one of the most important verses in the New Testament. It's verse 17. Uh, very rarely does the Bible actually get abstract. Uh, the, the Bible's not a theology book. I don't know if you knew that. A bunch of letters, histories, notes, stories. It's not written as a discursive theological manual. In fact, it has very little abstraction in it. It's very practical. But this is a very abstract statement about God. Listen to what it says. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. What is that a description of? Genesis 1. That's Genesis 1, right? That's the Genesis 1 God. Let there be light. Light's gone, right? 
But this is what's so remarkable here in the text. Um, Abraham's body's dead. Sarah's body's dead. But out of the dead womb comes a great, 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 great grandson who rises out of a dead tomb. And suddenly you see the grandeur of the might of the almighty resurrecting God throbbing with power across all time to say that he's come to rescue Cedric from death. Not from at all, from death. Wow! This is what happened today. I was going to tell you what happened just seven hours ago. I came up here, I came up here, and this is my notebook. Now, I'm going to tell you something about my notebooks that I probably shouldn't tell you. And well, I'll tell you, but I'm going to have to go back and go through them all now and get rid of them because occasionally I write my prayers down. Well, I forget they're in here, and I wrote a prayer confession on the last page of this stupid notebook. I didn't know it was there. Well, I scribbled these notes today at the last minute on the second to last page. And I didn't know it. And I'm scribbling the notes out. And I, but I come up here as, I was, as we were in your break for the break in York before prayer. And I start reading the list here. And I'm not, I'm not brave, brave enough to read it out loud. I can't read it out loud. That wouldn't be appropriate. But that's the back page right there. This is the final point of the message. Um, the promise in the dead womb that, that predicts the, the empty tomb is a promise that God, that our Father is not afraid of zero. He's not afraid of, of, of my of my, um, my, my, I'm zero, I'm, I'm lower than zero. Like, I'm, it doesn't, it's, I'm not, I, I just felt like, well, this is what I've written. All I have is not, N-O-T. All I have is what I don't have. Yeah, that's all I have, I don't have. You know, like I don't have. Abraham didn't have, right? I can't save myself, I can't clean what is so abominable in me? I can't wash it away. I can't be good. And, um, and I just love this idea that, that, um, that, that Abraham rises up to testify that God loves those who can't love themselves, who can't save themselves. Um, you know, my confessions of sin terrify me when I read them. I shouldn't keep them. I should have just gotten rid of it. I should have disposed of it. I meant to. In fact, I meant to because this is an incriminating piece of paper. But um, how fitting that Jesus would put it on the back of my notes. Isn't that precious of him? <laughs> it was almost like he was saying to me that, you know, Chris, you're not. You are not. Maybe you feel like you're not, like you're nothing. You're not. You're, you're nothing. You, you haven't. You failed. And uh, this is the place I invite you to hope in me, says the Lord. You know, it's kind of funny. 
hope doesn't mean a whole lot if it's not, if it's not uh, an unreasonable thing to do <laughs> at the time, right? I think I think that Corey's going to be preaching about this next week. I mean, I stole some of his thunder, but I I am emboldened by a hope that God can love what is so unlovable about me. Amen. Isn't that the message of grace? Because you see, Abraham becomes a type of our faith on the largest scale. Because the God who raises people from the dead, who calls things that are not as though they were, is the God who does wonders, right? That's the wonder-working God, right? That's the God of miracle. That's the God of transformation. That's the God who changes people's orientations and desires and, and loves and personalities. And This is the God who does amazing things in the world. And this is the God that, 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 I wanna, that I know, I think, for this generation and the intractable destruction of this generation, this is the only gospel that makes any sense, right? It's the only one that's going to do anything. It's one that trusts in the power of God, not in the power of man, not in the power of our cleverness or our wisdom or our industry or our power, but only and only and fully in the grace and mercy of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I can hope for great, a great many things in such a wonderful gospel. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your story of love. You know, and I know, we know, we know Abraham didn't really understand that much. I don't know how much he could have understood really, I guess, deeply. Not like we can see looking backwards. But he, he gets it. But he doubles down completely. And even when he doesn't have as much data as we do, and he, he just doubles down that he's going to sacrifice anything you tell him to. And, you know, and, and gosh, you'll be lucky if we sacrifice anything, Father. Well, Father, I pray you teach us about your grace. And I thank you that you would teach us about grace. And, and, um, and I thank you that, that Abraham can be such a great example to us. I thank you for this his wonderful, blissful trust, <laughs> gullible trust in you. He just trusts you. I love the fact that he trusts you, that, that you bring life to the dead, even in itself. Father, I pray you give us new, new boldness and grace, new boldness in our joy, <laughs> new, 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 new love for your scripture, new love for your words, new, new passion for words that tell us how much you love us. And I ask, Father, that you would teach me how to preach these things in the way that you approve of and gives you glory. And I pray this for the glory of Jesus. Amen.